My name is Heath. Uh, I'm the lead pastor here at Reach, and uh, today I've got a word um, that honestly, uh, not that this doesn't ever happen, but it's something that I struggle with personally. Uh, I have teenagers, and um, this idea of us, one of our core values being the next generation, uh, resonates very closely to me because I have three of them in my house, um, and there is a lot of pressure um, to make sure that we do everything in our power um, to share the gospel and be the gospel uh, to our children. And some days I feel like a failure. I just want to say that before I begin, because what you hear me say today, you may think, oh man, he's got this all together because his kid's somewhat look like they've got it together on Sunday morning. Um, and you may leave here feeling beat up and battered like, oh my gosh, I can never do this. And let me just tell you, without the grace and mercy of God, we can never do anything. So the beauty of communion today is a constant reminder that we need Jesus. And if you don't know that you need Jesus, you probably don't have children. If you have children, you're wildly aware of how much you need Jesus I am. Uh, I may share a couple of stories. They're not here this weekend, so I feel at liberty to speak. Um, so let me just give you a run through. So if this is your first Sunday, you can actually listen to all these online uh, at our website or we have a podcast to search Reach Community Church on there. Um, but we've been going through our core values. Uh, core value number one was the idea that um, the presence of God, without the presence of God, there is nothing. Without the presence of God, there is no church. Without the presence of God, there is no life change. We need the presence of God in our lives. Week two, we talked about this reality that we don't even have an idea of who God is without the Word of God. The Word of God is critical in our life. It must be in our lives. We must apply it to our lives, which we're going to talk about today. And we must trust that it is the words of God to us. Because if not, we're left to make up all this stuff on our own, which is Scary. And last week we talked about this reality that inside of that, that we need authentic relationships to really help cultivate the person that God desires us to be. And we, we need each other. As hard as that is at times to trust other peoples with your brokenness and with what's going on in your life, we need other brothers and sisters for that. So before I get into this, since I've already um, told you that I'm nervous about today, let's pray. Dearly Father, uh, I need you. Uh, these are words that I will be preaching to myself. These are words that we need regardless of how hard it is. And so, Lord, I pray that you eliminate condemnation from this room. And Lord, you bring a conviction that leads to change, not fear, And uh, running away from the issue. But Lord, I pray that you would give us confidence in you. To be what you've called us to be. To shape and mold this next generation. So that we can see the kingdom of God last past us. We pray these things in Jesus name. Amen. So my one thing this morning is we must teach and train the next generation to love and follow Jesus. And the best place for that to happen is in your house. It's terrifying. 
Anybody else terrified with that? Don't raise your hands. I've already confessed. You don't have to. Everybody else can think you have your life together. But let me let me just start off with a scary, scary, scary thought. Uh, if you're a Christian, your kids are not born Christian. There is no biological second generation Christian. You aren't a Christian because you're born in a Christian family. At some point, your children, just like you, have to choose to give their life to a savior named Jesus. And they have to choose to follow that savior. And so that puts a pressure on us not thinking. I mean, I, I grew up in the South and you kind of think you're born into this. I mean, I honestly did think I was born into it because, you know, I grew up in church and going to Sunday school and, and it was kind of ingrained at least the basic biblical understanding of what the gospel was. But there was no choice on my end. It was just something we did on Sunday or Sunday night at youth group. It was just something that we went to. And until I turned 18 years old and was confronted with the reality of the Gospels, did I personally choose. But before that, I was not a believer, regardless of how Christian the environment that I was in We have to bring the next generation to the place that they choose Jesus, which is hard. Let me tell you, it's the hardest in your home because when you evangelize out on the street, you can share the love of Christ and you can wash people's feet and you can go to their house and muck out their walls and and show them the love of Christ and you can haul debris from the back of their yard to the front of their yard and you can love on them and pray with them and do all those things. But at the end of that moment, you leave and you go home. They don't see you at your worst. They don't see you when you lose it. They don't see it when, you know, your kids see it. And it's hard. I mean, I, I'm, I'm honestly, I'm terrified um, statistically about pastor's kids. The reality that my children are grow up in an environment that it almost feels forced on them. It almost feels like it's something that they are required to do, which I would love for that to be so. But it is not required. It's my heart and it's my desire that they choose to follow and be obedient to Jesus. Because in my belief, that is the best life that they can have, period. And so the struggle with that is that we have to live that life in front of them. We have to day in, day out. And what that means is because you're going to screw up, because you're going to lose it, because your temper is going to flare, because something is going to happen, you're going to have to live a lifestyle of repentance in front of your children. I'm telling you, I have a 16-year-old, a 14-year-old, a 9-year-old, and I have repented to my children a lot on a regular basis. And I think even this last week, where, you know, for whatever reason, I got frustrated with my son. We, we go Tuesday mornings. Uh, I take him to school and we're doing a Bible study, <laughs> which is laughable. But we are doing it and we're meeting and I made a comment to him and he got frustrated with me. And I got mad at the comment that he made. I won't talk about the comment because it's none of your business. Um, but and I don't want to betray his trust completely. But he made this comment and kind of said, you know, he was going to do what he was going to do. And I'm like, Okay, okay. But the truth is, is, is that I, I got, 
you know, God literally convicted me later that day that it feels like to me, and I'm sure it feels like to them, that all I tell them is the negative thing that they're doing. All I point out to them is the thing that they're doing wrong. I don't lift up and encourage the thing that God is trying to do in them, the good that is in them, or the potential of what God can do through them. And so later on that night, I mean, I got kind of quiet. I didn't really get angry or slam my fist down and Bojangles, because that's where we go. I just got, I got kind of frustrated. I'm sure I, it was on my face, and we left. I dropped him off, and all day long, I'm just like, oh my gosh. We got home later on. I just like went up to him because he he's made this comment. He's like, oh, no one likes me and my family, which is usually when something's taken away. And I had to tell him, like, I love you. I will do anything. And I will. I will do anything for my children. I will do anything for Noah. And I love and believe in him. And I had to say that to him. But the, the tension of this is, is you're going to have to do that from now on. And if you don't have teenagers yet, I just want to encourage you. Get on your game now. Because it doesn't get any, the more they learn to reason, it doesn't get easier. When you have a small child, you're like, if I could just talk to them If I could just reason with them like our lives would be easier. No. Reason and lie. Like when they're a teenager, like I wish they were just babbling and, you know, like crying. But I don't know why. And I could like smell their rear end and figure out, you know, are they hungry or do they poop themselves? It gets difficult. And so here here's our statement. And this is where I want to go. Our statement on our website for our, our um, core value for the next generation it says we are dedicated to partnering with parents in building the next generation of passionate Christ followers who fulfill Jesus's great commandment to love God, love others and to reach their world. We believe our best and most effective way to do this is by equipping and growing parents to shepherd their children. Now, that does not ex- exclude us. So when I say all that, you're like, oh, my gosh, she's putting it all on us. We're going to do our part here on Sunday morning. And I'm going to share with you a little bit what they're hearing this morning. If you've got kids in elementary or preschool in our classroom right now, I'm going to share what they're learning. They're hearing the gospel. They're learning scripture. And they're getting loved on by adults that are leading them into that place and presence of God. And we're going to do that through yeah, you know, middle school and high school with our youth group that meets on Sunday night. So not tonight. Sorry, um, we're not having a youth group tonight. Did we say that earlier? Sorry, that might have been when I got the text. And it was a, I won't point them out, but they are in this room over there. Um, <laughs> and, you know, it, it is it, it feels like an onus, but I just want to tell you, we're going to do our part with you. But if you're waiting for the church to do what God has called you to do, it's going to be a long time because we have them for about 45 to 50 minutes worth of instruction on a Sunday morning. Period. You have them all week long. And what's going to happen is they're going to mimic you. And so another thing that I want to say as we begin there is that this is hard, not because of what you have to do and say and know for your children. It's hard because if you don't have it in you, it will never get in them through you. Not to say it will never get in them, but through you, it won't get to them. Here's a phrase. I think it was in a Maxwell um, teaching. I heard it from another guy. Everybody kind of robs from each other. But it says you teach what you know, but you reproduce who you are. 
So the reality is, is that you're not going to create Christ loving, sacrificial believers in your house if it's not in you, because they're going to mimic not what you tell them. Like, I love it when I tell my children not to be angry when I'm angry. Like, don't get so angry. Okay, Dad. Like, that doesn't work. They're going to mimic. And so when I get, actually, the most frustrating thing with my children is when they act just like me. And I realize this reality that it's it's not going to happen if it's not in me. So literally everything that I want to tell you this morning, I'm going to encourage you that it is your responsibility as a parent to, to do the best that you can with the grace and mercy of understanding that it is a free gift from God, not from you. But on your end, you have to do your part. And the biggest part of that is loving God yourself. Because if you love God, even if it doesn't work now, they will remember. They will. I I mean, I I did youth ministry for nine years. Let me just tell you, it's easier to do youth ministry than to raise your own children. And I spent a lot of time with these youth. And I would, all day long, youth ministry over my own children. Because my own children followed me home. My own children puke on me at times and do all kinds of things. And now one of them drives and a cop showed up at my house the other day. Leland PD, because they got a call that this 2012 Elantra, he, and he was slow in telling me this. I'm like, is my kid dead on the side of the road? Get it out of your mouth. It's like she was spotted with several kids in her car. Okay, buddy, like, do you have kids? Do you realize what you just did to me? And evidently, uh, my daughter was at school and she went in from one parking lot to another to go to cookout, which is right in front of her school, less than, you know, 300 yards. But she had more than she was supposed to in her car because she doesn't have her after nine. She got in a lot of trouble and I yelled at her immediately because it's scared. I was still scared. But they do things that you're going to have to deal with. And through all of this, you have to lead them through the grace and mercy that God is pouring out on you. This is why we take communion to be reminded that you need Jesus. And for those in this room that don't have kids or you're you're past that place, let me just say, don't check out during this. Because at some point it may become... God may use you. I'm not, I don't want to put the onus on you, but God may use you to reach the next generation. So just because, hey, I'm not a parent or my kids are, you know, now I'm a grandparent. Do not remove yourself from the availability that this next generation is important to the kingdom. So here I want to start in Deuteronomy 6. If you've ever read any of Deuteronomy, if you know Deuteronomy 6, you will You will see, at least in the beginning of it, um, verse 5 is a very famous verse that is quoted by Jesus in the New Testament. And it is a declaration to the families of, of the importance of what God has called them to. Forgive me for not having it up there. It doesn't fit. It's not as pretty as the other, the words. So hear this, verse 4, Deuteronomy 6. Verse 4, it says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. Sound familiar? And these words that I command you 
today shall be on your hearts. He's talking to the adults. He's talking to the people of Israel and he's telling them you shall love the beginning before he gets to telling them what they should do with their children. He tells them you should love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might, because out of that, the rest of this is possible. And it says, in these words I command you today, they shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. You shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk down the way and when you lie down and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your head and you shall be and the sorry and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorpost of your house. And on the gates, do you, do you get the idea that it is it is not just like, hey, like, let's pray for dinner. Lord, bless this food. And I'm not a big like, I don't know if you get offended by this, but like, I just thank Jesus for the food because it's hot. I want to eat it. So like, it's not like if you go into long prayer, I'm not going to stop you. But if you ever eat lunch with me, it's going to like be to the point. Amen. I'll tell you, like, like, come on, brother, like we can we can preach later. It's time to eat. But he's telling them, he said, you shall do this. And he said, not just in the morning. He's like, not just like at this prescribed time. I would just tell you, um, we have unsuccessfully um, or, or, or done a very poor job of successfully coming to a time where we as a family are having a consistent devotional period. It's difficult. I mean, the busier you are and the. The busier your kids are trying to arrive at a point and, and just two weeks ago, and I just want to thank Russell for holding me accountable. I actually asked him to uh, two weeks ago. I just felt convicted. I was reading through this book and uh, this reality of like that we don't honor the scripture and read them aloud. And so I just told my kids at 830, the rule is that if at 830 in our house, if I'm home, which isn't every night. We're going to gather together. We're going to read one chapter. We started in John. We're going to read one chapter. Um, we've upped the ante. We let them just sit there before. Now, at the end of the reading, to make sure they're paying attention, they have to say one thing that happened in the story. And then we ask if they want to ask any questions, and we dialogue, which is minimal, because our children are like, you know, Xbox, like, I got stuff to do. And so we made rule number two was that you couldn't talk about when it was going to be done. You couldn't make any facial expression. You just had to sit there and take it. Because <laughs> if not, it's like the first time we're like, they're sweating out of their pore. Like, we're approaching the 30 minute mark and he's oh, not for this. But we had already put the rules, so he was doing his best to contain himself and and then, then we decided we're, we're going to pick a few things that we just want to see God do that we cannot do. So we picked a few things that we would like to see God do, and we've been praying for those every time that we get together. Uh, and it hasn't been seven days a week, but it has been very consistent. When we're home, our nine-year-old loves it. She's like, which our other two are like, Shh. they might forget it. My nine-year-old's like, are we doing the thing tonight? My other two are like, Ellie. But it's every time, like, like God is saying, hey, if it's in you, it'll come out all the time. It, it won't just be like at 830 at night. I'm just going to tell you, like, if you're like, okay, we're going to model what he's doing at 830 at night. If you've got children that are under like five or six, don't do it at 830 at night. 
Probably when they should be in bed. <laughs> Another topic, not talking about that tonight. Um, but he's saying you should do these things diligently and all the time. Because there's opportunities to share the gospel with your children when you wake up in the morning, when you're going to bed at night, when you're walking down the road. And then he tells the parents, he's like, look, he said, you should bind them as a sign to your hand and a frontlet on your forehead. And I don't know if you've ever seen this, and this is something that passes us, but it was a tradition that they would do. They had these little boxes, and, and they would have Scripture written on these little parchments and put them in boxes, and they would wrap it around their arms. It would be on their hands. It would be right there, and then they would do the same thing on their forehead because they wanted the Word of God right there. They wanted it accessible. They wanted the reminder that I need the word of God. And he's telling them to the parents, if you're going to do these things, you have to have it in you. Because let me just tell you, trying to come up with a Bible story just to share with your children because it's a Bible story and it's 830 and you're supposed to be doing something. um, It's difficult. But if you're in the Word, if you're cultivating what God's doing in and through you, all you've got to talk to them about is what you're seeing already. Like, that cannot be your only time. And He's telling them, you have to be intentional. And the best way to teach your kids to know and love Jesus is to have a healthy relationship with Him yourself. Here's another one, actually, uh, last, this week sometimes, Psalms um, 78. It was in the early in the week, and I was reading it, and it was like, it just came right out in the one-year Bible. Uh, Psalm 78, verses 5 through 7. Very similar to what we heard in Deuteronomy. He said, in verse 5, it says, He established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel which he commanded our fathers to teach their children that the next generation might know him, the children yet unborn and rise and tell them to their children so that they should set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments. Like, I don't know about you, but I need to be reminded. I need to hear From lots of different outlets, the goodness of God, because in my own self, like I'm telling you, like we will just take the defeat instead of walking in the victory that God has given us. And he's telling them, just like he did in Deuteronomy, the fathers, they have to begin. And it didn't go well. He actually reminds them after this in verse 78 that they didn't. That they didn't obey the commands, that they were right back in it. And this is talking to the people of Moses that came out of Egypt, that saw the signs, but still turned away from the living, loving God that rescued them out of slavery. We're still commanded to teach our children. You're still in this position to be intentional. I don't care how old they are. Like my in-laws, I don't know if you know this, Chris is Jody's father. Eileen is in uh, kids ministry, so I can talk more about her than Chris. <laughs> Kidding. Um, but their own testimony, they loved. And I'm telling you, like, I have a high standard. My wife um, had a, probably the best dad ever. And then she married me. And she's like, got to get you up here, buddy. 
And, and they loved, devoted, I mean, their house to loving and proclaiming Jesus and being in church. And they did everything they could and still had a, a son that went and did his own thing up until college to the point that in, I think it was his freshman year or sophomore year, sophomore year, like, had a breakdown, like was was almost was suicidal, was um, drinking and all these other things. Called home, he's like, I, I need Jesus. Got saved, and lo- to this day, they have nine children. Literally, nine children. Loves Jesus. I mean, is one of the most devoted and loving fathers and husbands that I know. And, and, and they did everything they could. And you could almost look at it like, oh, my gosh, I'm failing. But they faithfully sowed into their son. And where did he come back to? Of going, I, I need. And they called mom and dad. And, and mom and dad were still there. And to this day, and he's 48, 49. He's older than me. That's all that matters. <laughs> and to this day, his faithfulness is because of what they sowed in investment. And so I just want to. On a side note, this isn't my notes. Look, do not lose heart. Do not give up regardless of how difficult it is or how difficult your children are. Keep faithfully serving, confessing, repenting and loving the next generation that's in your house. Ephesians 6 verses 1 through 4. This is for the children in their room, the verse 4. Children, obey your... I wish my kids were here. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise. Actually, the only commandment with a promise. One of the Ten Commandments. In verse 3, it says, That it may go well with you, and that you may live long in the land. Children. If you don't want it to go well and you want to die early, then disobey your parents. And that's basically what it's saying, right? Anyone else? Sorry. I just had to. Sorry. Lead that all the way up to up to this point. And then so that's what it's talking to the children. And then it goes to the fathers. And and when I say fathers, do not like feel like, oh, moms, I'm, I'm off the hook. Look. God's speaking to the father because that was the the inlet into the family, but it's not excluding anyone else in this. In verse four, it says, fathers, do not provoke your children to anger. Fail in that one a lot. And that's usually where my confession and repentance comes into play. A lot of humility in that, too. It says, and bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Don't quit doing your part to share Christ. And, and look at this in, in 1 Corinthians um, verse 11 and <clears throat> verse 11, chapter 11, verse 1. Paul says this, which it wasn't talking to parents specifically, but this is the idea that I'm trying to talk about here. It says, be imitators of me. As I am of Christ. Like we want our kids, your kids are going to imitate you. So you better be in a, imitating Christ. You better be letting the love of Christ in you so that they're going to get that. And so I say all this. Let me let me jump off to a, the other side of this. You're not alone in this. When your kids are here at reach, they aren't just playing we or jumping in the bounce house. 
Which I know that's what you see when you drop them off. They don't stay there very long. You notice there's no noise right now. I have about eight minutes before there's noise. And then they go into a classroom and then they they are taught biblical things. So this morning, here's what's going on in your elementary. And I encourage you, one of the best way, if you've got kids in this classroom, ask them questions. What did you learn today? They're they're working on a memory verse. So in the elementary room, let me tell you this. We we need this one. The, the theme is you just can't get enough. And the danger of that. So the Bible story is you can't get enough. Don't be controlled by money out of Hebrews 13, 5. The bottom line is this stuff can't keep you happy. I think my children need to hear that, too. Maybe they should come back for this one. The key question is, what do you still want? Why do you still want stuff if it can't keep you happy? Why do you still want if you know that it's not going to make you happy because you keep deluding yourself that it is going to make you happy? Parents, does this sound familiar? Like there's no Amazon package that's going to arrive on your doorstep that is going to satisfy you. You can substitute Amazon with something else that's more applicable to you. Here's the memory verse that they're working on this morning. Out of uh, Luke 12, verse 15, it says, Then he said to them, Watch out, be on your guard against wanting to have more and more things. Life is not made up of how much a person has. So they're hearing things just like this every week. If you've got a kid that's in preschool, here is what they're hearing this morning, that God is with me. The um, Bible-focused story is God hears me and gives me what I need. Taken from Hagar in Genesis 21, 14 through 20. The memory verse this morning is, God is with me wherever I go. Joshua 1, 9. The key question is, is who's got it? The bottom line is, is God, God's got it. And the basic truth is that God loves me. They're going to hear. We're not going to waste their time. We're not just entertaining them while you're in here. Same with our youth on Sunday nights. They're not just going to like, we want to give you a two-hour break on Sunday night from your teenagers. They're going to hear. And in the last couple of weeks, they've been working through this idea of what are the gifts that God has given you. God has equipped you and made you to be a part of the body of Christ. What are those gifts that God has given you and how can you use them to be beneficial in the kingdom? It is going to happen here. But let me just tell you. We only have them for a moment. You have them all week. And let me tell you, if you're excited about the reality that kids are hearing of the gospel and you're not already plugged in to reach kids, Erica, go ahead and stand up. Erica, on a side note, it's Erica's birthday today. Happy birthday, Erica. Erica leads Reach Kids, and she would love to meet you. If you're like, man, I want to be a part of kids hearing about the goodness of God, find her at the end of service. She would love to get you plugged in and wish her happy birthday when you're back there. When you leave today, ask your kids that you're picking up, what did you learn? Ask them probing questions, and it's look, it doesn't always work. Look, 
Hall of Fame. It's always a risk when I talk about sports because I don't know much about sports. And I've been made fun of a couple of times when I said some sports things that didn't line up. But I do know that if you bat a 300, uh, you can make it into the Hall of Fame. Batting a 300 percentage-wise is horrible. My kids are not going to graduate from high school batting a 300 on their grades. That's 30%, right? Did I do the math right? Okay, thanks. <laughs> I don't want to get... I've been mocked at the end of a service, and I... I just want to apologize. But that's the thing. Look, if you keep swinging, you will eventually get it right. Because they're listening to you. They're learning. You haven't perfected your relationship with Christ. Neither have they. And they need to know that. I think some of the greatest truths that they can get from you is that you're still working it out. Because they look at you and think you've got things figured out. When you haven't got things figured out, just tell them that you need Jesus just like they need Jesus. So here's some questions that I want to leave you with. I'm going to have our worship team come back up. The first thing that I want to leave you with, this is not a question, but I'm saying don't let guilt keep you on the sideline. And I'm telling you, I've gone through the waves of going, I'm a failure. I just don't want to even talk about children and You know, please don't ask me any best techniques because I feel like I don't have any right now. But let me just tell you, don't let guilt or shame keep you off the sideline. Get in the game. Work it. And I don't care how old your kids are. I don't care if they're teenagers already. All it takes is you loving two things. Your Savior and your children. And if you work on loving those two things, you will work into a place that they see the glory of God in you. And here, okay, here's my first kind of thing to do. And this would be great during this last worship song. If you're failing at this now, it's the best time to confess it. I knew this was coming, so I was already confessing before the service, during the service. And just say, God, I need you. I need you because you want my children. The world wants your children also. And I need you. And just confess it. Like, don't be beat up. That's why I said at the beginning, Romans 8, 1, it says, There is is therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. This this is not, if you're in Christ, you aren't condemned. Let the conviction stir you to action. Don't let it sit you on the sideline again, but confess it. Ask Jesus for help. Here's the next question. Is what do you need to work on in your life? You, it's got to start with you to make it more natural to talk to your children about Jesus. What needs to change in you so that it just happens naturally? Ladies, let me just encourage you, and this is for free, uh, our war groups, I'm excited. and we're Our men's group, we're working on getting ours restarted. Um, if you are connected here, ladies, you want to improve your chances of being the most successful person that you can be in your house, connect with other ladies, because you'll realize that you need each other and that no one's got it figured out, and that by the grace of, mer- the grace of God, Mercy can be poured out in your life, and you'll get that in these war groups. They're going to be awesome. Show up this Friday. 
Here's another question for you. Remember, the work of salvation belongs to God. It's his gift. Prayer is a great place to start and to stay. If if you're not already start and stay there, because like I'm telling you, prayer is going to be the 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 on ramp for activity in your kids. And so here's the question with that statement is what do you need to start praying for your kids about now? Make a list. I mean, the great thing about technology is you can have your phone remind you every morning to pray these specific things all throughout the day for your kids. You don't have to tie something to your wrist or to your forehead. That might be a little concerning for work. But you can have your phone remind me, like, I want to pray for my kids. Fill in the blank. And here's the last thing that I want to challenge you with. Like all things, accountability is key. Like I think Russell earlier and I, I invited him into that. I told him when we were starting this, I said, feel free to ask me. And he asked me in a while. He called me the other day. He was like, how's it going? I'm telling you, accountability is key. If you, It's one thing to say and make a declaration within yourself that I'm going to do whatever. And then if you fail on day two, you never have to worry about anything else. But when you put yourself out there and say, this is what I feel God has led me to do for my family, in my family, and you share it with someone that you know and trust, which is key there, it stirs in you. Like I know at any moment Russell could call me and ask me how my 830s are going, which I did miss one the other day, just complete, we were all home, no no reason why not, and at 930 I'm like, hmm. But accountability helps shape and mold us into the place that we can conquer. And so what I'd like to do is we go into worship. We're, we're going to sing one more song. And the reason why we have a song at the end of service is not to keep you in here a little bit longer. It is so that what God is stirring in you, you can act on. And so what is God asking you to do with your family, with your children, with your grandchildren, with children that you have uh, life and relationship with? What is God asking you to do? Because if... And kids matter to God, let me just tell you. When the disciples wanted to get rid of the kids because ministry was happening, what did Jesus tell them? Oh no, let the children come to me. He has a heart and passion for your children. And so use this time as we close the service to just go, God, what I, you know, confess if you need to of going, I've just missed it. You know, like I, I want to get home and I want to rest and I don't relax. I don't want to think about anything else. Change that. Because you won't regret the time that you spend with your children. You won't be sitting on your deathbed and thinking, oh, man, if I just had more time away from them. You won't. You'll be coveting those times that you have with them. So take advantage of them now. Let's pray. Thank you, Jesus. Of showing your relationship with your Father through the Gospels. Thank you for your willingness to submit to Him in everything. Thank you for your willingness to show us over and over again what this relationship can look like. 
And Lord, I know there's so many stages of life in this room and there's people that are pre-kids and post-kids and there's people that are right in the middle of it. And there's probably a pretty good amount of guilt or shame on where life has taken you or what has happened in your family or things that have already happened. And Lord, I pray that you would wash all those away with your mercy, that we, like your word says in Matthew eleven twenty eight, that we would come to you all who are weary and heavy laden. And we would take this yoke that we put on ourselves, and we would put on yours, which is light and easy. And that we would trust you with our life so that we can give that to our children. And so, Lord, I just pray over anyone in this room that has uh, played around with church, that has been in and through services, but have never really surrendered to your lordship, surrendered to your life. And, Lord, I just pray this morning that there would be a willingness um, to surrender. There would be a willingness to give you this, the shell of a life that we have for you to shape and mold and build your kingdom in. And so, Lord, as we worship, I pray that you would be honored, that uh, the glory would be all yours. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.